I'm Lizanne Flynn. I'm a master healer who works with all earthlings to reunite them within themselves and with each other, regardless of the dimension they're currently in. Meaning, I'm a medium as well as an animal communicator, medical intuitive, and channel for all beings. I use the tools of shamanic journeying and soul retrieval to support animals and humans as they heal from past trauma. I'm certified as a Reiki master teacher and as a canine massage therapist. This is the Animals Eye View podcast. Probably the piece of information that I share most often with new clients is the trait of high sensitivity in the body, which I'll talk about at length in just a bit. The second most often piece of information is probably the candle exercise, wherein a candle is lit and a timer is set for a period of only five minutes and five minutes once a day. Then the person focuses on the candle flame and on a piece of paper, they keep track of every thought and emotion that detracts from the focus on the candle flame. The beauty of this exercise is that especially for folks whose bodies have the trait of high sensitivity, our brains tend to work overtime, it seems, in sorting all of the pieces of energetic information we receive. So it helps us to calm the brain by choosing the thought or emotion that we allow to come into our field of focus, if you will. And the body then responds with a less frantic feeling of being overwhelmed. And the third most often piece of information is about shamanic journeying, especially if I get an intuitive ping that the human with whom I am working is ready for such a tool. I'll put a link in the podcast notes to a book that I frequently pull out from my own library to show to clients by Sandra Ingerman, The Beginner's Guide to Shamanic Journeying. I'll put a link to that in the podcast notes. The bottom line is that each time I connect with the energy of a client, how we partner together is definitely tailored to each individual every single time because their energetic fingerprint, if you will, is just like any other fingerprint, unique and divinely so. And it also fits a pattern of who resonates with my services as they are structured to meet the needs of those who perceive this human experience to be the ride of a light being who's actually in visitor status to the planet of not only experience, but experiment. And uh, let me share with you my understanding of the trait of high sensitivity in a nutshell. And I'll put a link in the podcast notes to a website that is authored by Dr. Elaine Aaron, A-R-O-N, and whose books I heartily recommend reading if it should turn out that you also have a body with the trait of high sensitivity. And to that, I would also say, welcome to the club. (laughs) The nervous system's job is to alert you to many things in your outer world along a broad spectrum, 
from a saber-toothed tiger, for instance, in the corner of a room, to a particular dislike for a certain spice grown only in Asia, let's say. It's really remarkable how each system of the body so perfectly fits hand and glove, literally, with the awareness that each light being inside of the body is here on earth to experience. And so the nervous system will guide you towards what feels good and what doesn't feel good. More on that later. In only 20% of the human population, the nervous system is hardwired to have a threshold of stimulation that's lower than the other corresponding 80% of humans. So that means given the same amount of stimulation between two people, one, a highly sensitive person, an HSP, an abbreviation we use, and the other non-HSP, the HSP is going to get alarm signals, if you will, about the stimulation being overwhelming if that threshold is breached to the nervous system than the non-HSP. And so when that happens, the person whose body has the physical trait, which is genetic, by the way, if you identify as having the trait, then likely either or both of your parents had it as well. The person who has this physical trait will start to feel anxiety and distress. In effect, the body is saying, hey, now, the nervous system is going offline because it's overwhelmed and it can't do its job of keeping you safe on the planet. So get yourself to a quiet place so it can calm down and go back online, if you will, again. The thing is, if you don't know that this is going on, your human experience perception can think that the body itself is under attack. To a certain extent, that's what the nervous system is saying. And thus, then, you kind of link that up to you also are under attack which, if left unrecognized and not alleviated over time, to feeling defensive quite a bit of the time on this planet, which, as you might imagine, has all sorts of interpersonal ramifications. I often encourage clients to take the quiz at hsperson.com, and I'll post that link in the podcast notes if you suspect that your body might have the trait of high sensitivity and you aren't sure. I do think it's important to self-identify as someone whose body works this way, and I do think it's important that you honor your body as having this trait, because what that does is build a bit of a buffer, if you will, between the light being inside the vehicle known as the body in human experience, and it creates awareness of how the body informs and presents choices about how to respond to what it needs. So often in human experience, which differs dramatically from animal experience, we, we perceive the body as some thing that needs to be fixed rather than an incredibly unique and almost magically wise entity all on its own whose job is to keep us healthy and happy for as long as we're supposed to be here on earth. The animals, of course, being who they are, know this already, and they have a much different relationship with their bodies because they treat information from the nervous system, and they're, of course, all mostly HSPs, by the way. They treat this information 
as just that, information and data, which they greet with understanding and neutrality. And to a certain extent, that's the reason why we humans sometimes perceive them to be stoic and impervious to pain, which is a patently ridiculous notion that has persisted, unfortunately, in traditional veterinary medicine, because they don't have the emotional reaction to physical pain that humans do. If you as a human are injured, there are all sorts of thoughts and emotions that accompany the body's response to the pain that your nervous system gifts to you, and yes, it is a gift. You may think, oh no, something is wrong and I have to fix it so that my body can do what I expect it to keep doing. Or, in the case of chronic pain, you may have an emotion of, oh, this again, coupled with an automatic despair that your body has once again betrayed you and let you down, and that anything close to resembling normal might never be possible. We don't see in human experience what the body is actually saying. Pain is the anti-joy, to a certain extent, of the entire animal world. It's the body's way of redirecting any animal, including the human animal, away from anything that doesn't please the body. It isn't meant to be a sign of something wrong. It's more the body's way of saying, hey, I'm giving you a message and a pretty strong one at that, so pay attention and don't ignore it. (laughs) And at the same time, pain is the body's way of saying, don't do that again. Stay away from things that I tell you are too hot or too cold or too whatever, too painful, because it's not good for us. It's the whole separation of the body and light being inside and lack of communication that humans have fairly backwards, the animals say. They think we talk a good game about stress and how it's expected and a certain amount of it science espouses is actually good for the body. And to this, the animals reply, uh, nope. (laughs) They would counter with, Joy is the only emotion the body is built to direct one towards, and any non-joy thought or emotion, action, etc., is meant to provide contrast to joy so that other choices can be made. They perceive that humans, by and large, honor the contrast to such a degree that it may very well end up modifying the whole DNA structure that, at least according to animals on this planet, is actually created to be molded by joy every single moment that we're here, just like every being and animal experience does in every moment they're here. Other individuals who self-identify as having the physical trait of high sensitivity would also say that while they might have a high threshold for pain, their bodies also have a lowered sensitivity towards pain which can present to the observer as a bit of a conundrum because we say that we feel the sensation more quickly and get more easily overwhelmed while at the same time we can endure a painful sensation for a longer period of time. There was one study done for children that stood out for me in particular because it was comparing observations and physical reactions of the bodies of children who are in two groups. One group had not been diagnosed as being autistic, and the other group having been given the diagnosis of autism already. And full disclosure before I go further, I happen to be of the opinion 
that individuals who have been given the diagnosis of autism are likely actually individuals with a trait of high sensitivity who have a nervous system whose threshold of stimulation is extraordinarily low. The study yielded results with all of these kids undergoing blood draws for lab work, which would typically cause a reaction in all kids, and that it was different in these two groups was most surprising to those observing the children. Keyword observing. The group without a diagnosis of autism had a greater outward reaction of crying and pain, while their heart rates and their breathing only slightly elevated. The other group with the diagnosis of autism had a more stoic response outwardly, and conversely, their heart rates and breathing patterns were much more elevated. So to a certain extent, when I look at the study, it makes all the sense in the world. From inside the place of having an unusually threshold of stimulation, there is also a higher than average awareness of how your body is and as well a keener sense of how to balance that with input from the outside world. It's almost as if the fight, flight, freeze, or faint response is more activated and as such the being is also more aware of how to put that together with an outward reaction because there's so much more going on inside to which their attention is drawn. And so, again, this is the fallacy with scientific observation. Unless you are actually communing sensing, feeling, using telepathy with any being, you cannot possibly understand what's going on on the inside. I'll put a link to the study, admittedly a bit dated, in the podcast notes. No matter the age of the body with the HSP trait, you and they were born this way. You cannot change this about yourself (laughs) any more than you can change the size of your feet or the color of your eyes. And once you know your body functions this way, you can do all kinds of proactive things to help you feel more secure and whole in this body, because this is definitely a double-edged sword in this lifetime. Along with the overwhelmness and caretaking of your body with this trait, it is also your superpower. Your body will suss out energetic fields from all over that will tell you more about people, situations, and things that would likely never be revealed through traditional five external sensory languages, sight, hearing, etc. And as HSPs, we are so very used to non-HSPs, perhaps, I don't want to ding them too much, saying things like, you're too sensitive, you need to grow a thicker skin. Stop taking everything so personally, and on and on and on. The bottom line of the message is, there's something wrong with you. And as I said earlier, we have a knowingness that we're different. If you and I as fellow HSPs were in a room together, there would have to be eight other people in the room with us for the statistics to be correct. We'd look around the room and we'd perhaps feel and maybe use other of our internal six sensory languages to receive the information our body's nervous systems want to share with us, also known as intuition, without anyone opening their mouths at all. 
We are decidedly badass in the world of human experiences, and all because this particular vehicle was chosen by us long before we incarnated to match up with the soul path that was embodied by us during the time we're on the planet called Earth. So we have choices, you see. How we want to see ourselves is entirely up to us to decide, and we can choose to see ourselves as everything being right with us versus any other way. One way brings joy, the other way not so much. At least, that's how the animals see it. Thanks for listening today. Leave a review if you're so inspired and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. I offer all new clients a free 15-minute consultation. Reach out if you think I can be of service via www.lizanneflynn.com. Come find me on social media, Facebook, Twitterverse, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I encourage you to sign up for my quarterly newsletter on my website, where I also post notices for upcoming events such as new classes and online psychic fairs. I will be taking an end-of-the-year break, so the next podcast will be delayed by an additional two weeks. This has been the Animal's Eye View Podcast. I'll see you next time. Thank you.